everyone, and welcome to the latest of our Scotsway podcasts in collaboration with Scottish Opera, and it's been a while. But I'm joined now by singer Katrina Hewitson, who will be singing the role of Titania in the forthcoming production of Scottish Operas, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Hello, Katrina. Hello, nice to be talking to you. Oh, no problem at all. It's a pleasure. So tell us about this new production of A Midsummer's Night's Dream and your role in it. Um, so um, it's by Benjamin Britten, um, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one for Scottish opera um, because it's the last show that they did prior to uh, the dreaded lockdown and COVID and all that jazz. Um, so um, they have basically it it was you know they got to the stage just before going into the theatre. It was it was almost ready. Yeah. and then and had run the whole opera and then had to shut down and so there are um I, I was not in the original production because i didn't i had not established my relationship with scottish opera at that point um but have since joined as an emerging artist and um through kind of some of the cast has stayed the same some of the cast has changed um and I am lucky enough that um, I'm getting to play the role of Titania um, in this production. So it's kind of it's kind of a revival, but it's also a brand new production that nobody's ever seen. Um, so it's it's a bit of a, a weird one. It's so because to give people a bit of context, it was due to be on in March 2020. So it really was, yeah. you know, cut at the last minute. And it's interesting to hear that you've come on board since then because I was going to ask if anything particularly has changed in the production or because it must have been rehearsed and as you say just ready to go so do you know was there any changes made or is this basically the same show that we would have seen in 2020? So um, I think that the majority of it has stayed the same like as in in terms of the design is very very similar I think that there are a couple of tweaks that have been changed Um, obviously some of the cast have changed the um the director is still the same it's still the same conductor still the same orchestra um and there are uh for example there's a children's chorus in it there were i found out that i think that there were 11 children that were originally in the production um and now there are 21 kids that are involved in the production um so it's really nice to kind of have an expanding version of this show um but yeah, it's it's primarily the same. I think that there are like because of having new people on stage, um, the we all have different instincts, and so the way that it maps out, it's very much like this is kind of what we did the last time or where it started from, and let's let's try and see where it goes and how you feel about it. Um, but obviously, with the same guidance as as they had previously, so it's. I think that it will have a, a shape of what it would have had, but it's obviously, it will never be what it was, yeah. if that makes sense. It does, it, it, it does, especially with having new people involved and as you say, the kind of different instincts and the different styles, I suppose, in a way that people- Yeah, different interpretations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's back to big theatres. It's gonna be at the Theatre Royal Glasgow from February 22nd and then, Edinburgh's Festival Theatre from the 1st of March, um, yeah. which is this the first time that that's happened kind of since COVID and lockdown for Scottish Opera? 
Um, we were lucky enough to do the Gondoliers production, which was our first um, touring production. We went to, we were in Glasgow, Edinburgh, and went up to Inverness. And um, we're taking that show actually to the Hackney Empire in March, at the end of March. Um, but this is the, this is, um, I, I think that this has more um, principal roles in it. It's kind of um, in terms of that, that was the first show that had chorus back on stage and this is a kind of a bigger scale of indoor performance with so many principles in it um i would try and tell you remember how many principles there are but i would probably tell you the wrong number i think it's 14 but i'm completely making that up plenty plenty of people on <laughs> I, I think as well what will be interesting will be um audiences will have changed. I think audience, you know, I've been yes. at a lot of Scottish opera things and the audience are always great, but there's, I think there'll be some energy with people coming back, not having been there. Because as you'll know, there are people who are, you know, members that go every single show and just yeah. the idea of getting back to see the big spectacle again will be brilliant. Yeah. Yes, totally. Actually, it's really different as a performer because I was lucky enough um I joined Scottish Opera in the September of 2020 and was one of the few opera singers in the UK that was kind of consistently working and um, we were putting out content you know working on new content constantly and um, that went online and so we've you know there are now a number of um Scottish Opera on on screen productions but actually Gondoliers was my first time doing opera on stage with a live audience and it was I cannot tell you the difference that it makes it's wonderful that we have this new platform of of on-screen shows but as a performer there's nothing like having a live audience laughing at certain bits feeling the emotion at certain moments and and breathing with you like it makes such a difference and it was so incredibly emotional to have that to have that happen and um this is like it's it's such an incredible piece like because of being Shakespeare's words and Britain's music it like I just I can't wait for audiences to see it it's such an incredible um join of forces and 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 with Scottish Opera and um our director is incredible and um, Dominic and uh, Stuart is like the the collaboration that's going into it is is really, really special. Um, and yeah, it's just it's I'm really, really excited for it. It's it's a kind of it is a, a dream role to get to do with a professional company with my national company. And um, yeah, it's it's really it's going to be a brilliant. And it's also something uh, people uh, who are listening to this think, oh, um, I've never been to the opera. I'm not sure whether it's for me. This is a great one for them to to make that connection because it is Absolutely. a comedy in places. It's one of Shakespeare's comedies. So there are laughs to be had and farcical things going on. Totally. And it's a story that, you know, if you know the Shakespeare, you'll understand this completely. Um, and, you know, we have this idea of opera being, you know, in funny languages and people not really acting and all this kind of stuff. And actually it's, it's Shakespeare. So you have to act and you have to make sense of the words and you have to get the text across. And actually 
Um, that's what Dominic's background is, is, is in theatre and in plays. And so that's, that's really at the forefront of what we're trying to do. And actually, Britain understood that well enough that actually the character of Puck is played by, a, is a spoken role, is played by an actor. Um, and, and so, you know, it is, it, it is a very approachable opera for people to, uh, to come and see. And this is one of the things that I've realised uh, over the last few years as I've started to get into opera is the acting involved. I think people think, oh, well, opera is people singing on stage. And of course, that's involved. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there is uh, there's some fantastic acting. It's part of the skill set as well. Definitely, definitely. And as you say, it is it is a comedy. We've got we've got the the mechanical characters are absolute comedy gold. And we have, you know, we have somebody who dresses up like a donkey halfway through the show. Like it's, it's, it is comedy. And there's a whole play that's a play within a play that is supposed to be really awful. They're supposed to be really, really bad at this play within a play. So it can't, you know, you've got men in drag and all this kind of stuff. You can't, you can't not laugh at that kind of thing. Yeah, you're getting me very excited to see it because you're reminding me <laughs> how spectacular Scottish opera's productions are in terms of sets and, and the kind of yeah. ways that they do them as well. Yeah, and the other thing that's special about this production, of course, as well, is that it's got the fairies element of... So I don't think I'm giving too much but away by saying it's got fairies in it. What do fairies have? There's a bit of... There's, there's magic in the air, so... Um, there might be some magic in the Scottish opera production. I hope I'm not giving anything away, but yeah. You're just giving enough away to keep us uh, interested and wanting to come. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned uh, the kind of on, let's, I was wanting to ask you about kind of lockdown for you, but also yeah. for Scottish opera as a whole, because it did seem to be a company who found different ways and inventive ways to keep going and, and, and keep creating throughout. Yeah. Um, as I say, I was incredibly lucky that I, I got the job at Scottish Opera as an emerging artist in the January of 2020 and found out I had the job that was starting in September and, um, and so moved, uh, I was currently, I was living in London and then moved up to Glasgow after that in September and I kind of came up and, and was like, well, we're rehearsing. We we did a project with the Lammermere. That was my first, the Lammermere Festival, which was my first thing. Um, and then we were supposed to be doing an opera highlights tour. And that was supposed to be my first project. And it very much, you know, we, we started rehearsing and the idea was, you know, we will start you know what once we'll get this ready and then as soon as we're allowed to go on the road we will have we will be ready and we did a version that was four people we did a version that was uh two sets of two people so we they were ready for kind of any options that were going to become available to us um but i was kind of like we're gonna go we're gonna turn up we're gonna rehearse for five weeks and then they're gonna be like thank you very much. That was lovely. We can't do anything. Nobody's doing, nobody's going to see any opera at the moment. Um, and they didn't, they were like, well, we've got these people, we're employing them. They, they need to develop. So they put, they put on so they've put on so much for, for us as a cohort. So we did the opera highlights as a film. Yeah. Um, we then 
and this and then they decided uh we have these singers the majority of them fit within the the scoring of cozy so we did a production of cozy fantute um which is online we then managed to actually get to do that in person in um in a kind of semi-staged version of that um in the Lammermuir festival the year after and the part and in perth as well um they did hansel and gretel which i got to cover in um we then had another hiatus um but then they put on an, a production of um the elixir of love which again was based on the people that they had in the in the building um and kind of like i i it wasn't part of the plan of of what i was offered as as my kind of contract yeah. was was not to do despina was not to do adina um was not to cover nanetta was not was potentially going to cover gretel but like um like these things all kind of changed within the year and so i've had more opportunities than than i would have had there not been been a pandemic actually yeah. um so i've I very much appreciate that I am one of the lucky ones because I have so many friends and colleagues that were not as lucky as me and have have only just within the past six months started doing performances again and 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 so I feel really lucky that actually this time has been incredibly um, fruitful for me and I have really progressed and I, I you know actually from having video footage I can I can see and I can hear the progression between between shows. Um, so yeah, so I have I have been really, really busy and and unexpectedly so. Yeah, I mean, it does strike me that um, out of nearly all, particularly the bigger arts companies at Scottish Opera really were uh, showing the way forward to try and find new ways to kind of get productions done. Yeah. And alongside that, you know, they were doing uh, Pop Pop Opera, um, which is the small scale um, tour that, you know, performs outdoors. They were doing that kind of as soon as possible as well. So that, you know, it's not just that we've been doing, you know, the stuff that goes online, you know, people, they've, they've still been out and about in the community. Um, and we've done, an, we've, we've also created a, an education project during this time as well. And that's just the things that I've been involved in, you know, but there's still so much that's else that's being, that's, that's going on. Yeah. And you mentioned that you're a, a emerging artist for, for this year. So what yeah. does that mean to you and what does it entail? So uh, being an emerging artist, especially being um, Scottish and a Scottish opera emerging artist is, I feel incredibly like lucky and it was kind of uh being somebody that came to see Scottish opera performances mm -hmm. and now to be on stage as as somebody doing doing professional roles and all this kind of stuff it's it's really it's a really really special situation it's a really really special um company and and um yeah so that's that's brilliant um, and being an emerging artist, so an emerging artist is Scottish opera's term for like a young artist program, like um, um, a kind of nurturing environment to kind of um, give you the experience and kind of tip, dip your toe in the water of what it's like to be doing small roles or larger roles or big covers. Um, 
and understudying and kind of getting to see more in a more hands-on way what it's like to be in the profession and who you have the kind of you know making contacts as well um because you know it's not all internal people they get external um directors and conductors um so it's it's but all under kind of their guidance so it's very it's a very much a hands-on process like um the music team and um all of the stage man like they're they all know you and so they're all kind of looking after you and really um kind of take pride in you as well and really want you to succeed and want you to kind of push yourself and kind of and develop with them because they you know they have a vested interest in that well having spoken to many people in the company um when we've done the previous yeah. podcasts you do just get the sense that it's a really tight-knit team that everyone yeah. kind of you know are aware of what everyone else is doing which results yeah. in the final piece on stage yes it's a, it is a real community and team effort everything um and and everybody's put everybody is working super hard as well like there's nobody there's nobody that's kind of hanging back in the shadows um yeah. everybody's kind of pushing and at the forefront of what they do so how did you get involved in opera you said you went along and watched scottish opera when you were younger but it's yeah it's still you know not many people find their way into it at a young age anyway um well i was I was really, really lucky. I'm, um, I, I kind of, I, opera wasn't what I intended to do. Um, I was really lucky that I have an older sister who went to, it just so happened that our local music, our local school, primary school had um, the City of Edinburgh Music School in it. Right. Um, and so my sister started there and then auditioned for it, for the music school um, when she was in primary four and there's enough of an age gap that then I auditioned before I started school. So I started in the music school from age five um, and kind of, and was always kind of had my sister ahead of me and she did the Waverly Singers. And so I couldn't wait to turn six because I would get to join the Waverly Singers. And then she did um, Fourth Children's Theatre. And so I couldn't wait to turn 10 because then I would get to do Fourth Children's Theatre and kind of, having this person ahead of me kind of leading the way, but in a really brilliant way that was like, these are all really cool things that I want to do. And, and kind of, and my parents are both in, very musical. They do a lot of amateur music. So we were always going to concerts. And um, apparently when I was three, we went to see Madame a Butterfly at the Festival Theatre in Edinburgh. And I fell asleep before, uh, before she died. So I missed out on the, the, on the bad bit, um, but like, I think that I was quite a, a, an attentive child in terms of like, I was just kind of in awe of what was happening and kind of would soak it all up. And so being in a classical music concert really didn't faze me because I just kind of went and sat on a bunch of coats and then and enjoyed it. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought I was going to be a professional violinist. I wanted to be a, um, an orchestral violinist. I still miss um, that sort of environment. It's a very different, um, it's a very different feeling playing in an orchestra. You're really like part of one yeah. group that's all trying to do this, have the same outcome. 
Um, but I always felt like, and I, it took me a really long time to realize this, but like, um, I didn't re I didn't realize that I didn't want to be the leader of the orchestra. I didn't want to kind of, uh, have the solos. I didn't want to, when I was in string quartets, I didn't want to be first violin. I always wanted to play second, but, um, but I still kind of had like this drive of something. Um, and as I say, like I, I sang in the National Youth Choir, I was one of the first Edinburgh area National Youth Choir of Scotland, Edinburgh area choir members. Um, and kind of, but singing was always like the fun thing on the side. Right. Um, and then in my, I think it was actually, it was my violin teacher actually said to me, I think that you might want to be a singer. And that wasn't like in a shady way. It was like, a, I don't think that, I think that that's where your passion is. And I, and, and I can see more of that. Um, so I'd start, I'd had singing lessons whilst I'd been, um, at the music school and then kind of was like, oh, actually maybe this is what I want to do. And I remember going in to see my singing teacher. My singing was definitely like my third study right. and going in to see my singing teacher and saying, actually, I think that this is what I want to do in my like fifth year of high school. And she was like, oh, okay, right. Well, we kind of need to work a little bit more at this. Um, so anyway, I am, um, I then ended up going to the Royal Northern College, College of Music, but because I'd done a lot of choir singing, choirs were what I, I kind of had thought I would end up doing. And and I'd had that musicianship background of kind of that ear for it. So uh, I that was I, I had no practical experience of being in opera. I had practical experience in musical theater and I loved that, but um, I wasn't sure um, at that stage and so kind of opera, it, it kind of, it married the two together. I still had a real love of musical theater and being on stage. And I thought that that I might go back into that, but I wanted to have like the training and know that I was singing properly. And and I kind of never went back to it um, because opera ticked enough of the boxes that I, that of the classical music and getting to prance around in silly costumes, um, but also like, being on stage and telling stories and um playing all the, you know singing all of this wonderful music um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't really like my first port of call but um it's it's a real amalgamation i think of all of my passions and loves in life um kind of all fit within the same within that realm well i think you know i think sometimes you people feel that the fun thing can't be a job. It's almost like you're not allowed to have the fun thing as the job. And actually, exactly. if, you can, if you manage to do that, then you're, you're definitely on the on the right track. Yeah, totally. Now, I know Scottish opera tend to plan well ahead. Um, can you tell us what's next for you? Or is it all about Midsummer at the moment? At the minute, it's all about Midsummer. Um, there are um, a few plans that are coming up, um, but yeah at the minute to be honest my main focus is midsummer because this is this is such it's such a um uh a scary and exciting role to to do for me um so i am um, yeah that's where kind of all my effort is is lying at the moment well i for one cannot wait to see it um i'm really excited about it 
Katrina, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I really do appreciate it. And all the very best with Titania. Thank you so much. And if you've enjoyed our chat, do head over to Scots Way for all our Scottish Opera podcasts. Cheers. Mm-hmm.